But one of the really important things is really understanding self-leadership and self-care, um, which is really critical for veterinarians to have. And a lot of that really comes down to having self-awareness of like what you're like when you interact with your staff or with clients. Um, and it also comes down to emotional regulation because you're literally in these very emotional situations all the time. You have emotional owners, you have emotional staff that are overworked as well that you're dealing with. And you really have to figure out a way to kind of hold those emotions. Um, and then, but then also process them and recognize your own emotions that you're not, you know, going crazy. So I think self-leadership is really important as well as self-care. Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. On this episode, I am excited to share a conversation with a veterinarian that I really look up to. Dr. Monica Tarantino has made it her mission to focus on senior dogs and how pet parents can give their seniors the best life possible. She talked to me about the unique challenges and perks of senior dogs and shared three things that she wishes every senior pet parent knew about. She also talked to me about her new online course geared towards, you guessed it, Senior Pet Parents. The course is a comprehensive guide to everything someone might want to know about their senior dog and covers a lot of the questions she gets from clients in the exam room. That course is co-created with another vet that we love here at the podcast, Dr. Lisa Lippman. I also wanted to ask Dr. Tarantino about stress management advice for people in the pet industry. There are a lot of demands on people who work with pets. Monica shared great advice. My biggest takeaway was that you're not alone. That person who you think has it all together, they're probably stressed out too. So don't strive to be perfect. Just strive to be the best, well-rested version of you. So thank you so much for still listening to the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. We are over four years into the show, and it means so much to me that you continue to listen, or if you are brand new at this episode, thanks for joining us. If you enjoy the show, please jump over to the Apple Podcasts app and leave me a five-star review. That always helps me get new listeners and book really awesome guests like Dr. Tarantino. Dr. Monica Tarantino is a veterinarian from Charlotte, North Carolina, that has a particular focus on senior and geriatric dogs. She is the founder of Senior Dog Revolution podcast and creator of the Senior Dog Thrive course for pet parents of senior dogs. She also co-authored a book to help up-and-coming veterinarians succeed in their practice, and she does all of this while practicing full-time as a vet herself. You can find her on Instagram at Senior Dog Doc. Hello, Dr. Monica. I don't know what I should call you. <laughs> you can just call me Monica. Hey, Tori, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming. It's always such a joy to have another podcaster on the show because I feel like we get what it takes to create an episode. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. And we were talking about it before we actually started this, but just how difficult it is to actually get those episodes out consistently because of all that work that goes into each episode that people just don't see. So exactly. Yeah. I'm in awe of how you are so consistent with it. So something to aspire for. No, well, I aspire to do as many things as you do. So <laughs> you you have quite the impressive resume of things that you're that you've done and that you're working on like right this minute. Um, but I guess like to kind of introduce people who are listening to you, can you tell us why you chose to focus on senior dogs specifically? Um, I'm always talking about niching down. So I yeah. love it anytime anyone does that. Um, but why did senior dogs appeal to you so much? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So I started off in vet school and actually my entire life, like any other veterinarian, just in love with animals, all of them. Um, and then, but I mostly ended up having dogs. Like dogs are kind of like my, my bread and butter. I've had them my entire life. Um, we didn't have cats growing up because they were, I was allergic to them. My family was mostly allergic to them. I'm still allergic to them, but I live with them now just so you know, <laughs> but, um, but as you know, as I went into vet school, I actually had a Westie named Frodo who was, uh, when I was in vet school, he turned, he was a senior dog. He was about 10 years old. And I started encountering all these different issues with him. Like he started having neck pain. Um, we were going into the hospital for things like pancreatitis. We started having abnormalities on his lab work. We had all these different things that come up that a lot of pet parents of older dogs actually experience. And I felt like even when I was in vet school, that there was really no one that really focused in on like senior dog issues, like really simple things like you know, trying to encourage more low impact exercise over sprinting after balls all the time. Cause it's harder on, you know, that's harder on their joints. Just like things that I really think that most pet senior dog pet parents should know that no one's really talking about. And so as I graduated vet school and I went into practice, I kind of naturally gravitated towards older dogs because Frodo was older. Um, and so they really just became a huge passion for me. And over the past seven years of practice, they've really been what I truly, you know, what I truly want to focus on when I'm practicing. And they're really interesting. I mean, from a clinical standpoint, they're the ones that have all the things that are, that are going on with them, right? As your dog gets older, they're more prone to disease than ever before. And so this demographic of dog has very, very special needs. Um, and I think it's really important to, to try to help pet parents just be aware of what those needs are and try to help them just navigate how to be a good senior dog pet parent. Cause it's different. It's different than it is being a pet parent of a middle-aged dog or a pet parent of a puppy. They're completely different needs. And so, um, I think honestly through Frodo, my Frodo Baggins Tarantino was his, his full name. Um, I think through Frodo that really, he really kind of inspired me to really focus on, on the older dogs. Well, yeah, I think you're right. That people just don't know and they're not educated. Like you don't see anything other than on your Instagram account yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. about educating people um, about how to handle their senior dog. Like I just think of all the pet stores that have like new puppy welcome kits that you can buy. And there should exactly. be like a welcome to your golden years kit yeah. that they sell too, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have just as many needs as puppies do, if not more. Um, and at that point, when like a pet parent has them, they're already really bonded to that pet, right? Most people have had them for most of their lives. Although some people like myself will adopt them when they're older too. But so that, that pet at that age, they are a family member through and through, and they've been there with you, usually going through life's up and ups and downs at that point. So they're, they're really critical. Um, and I just, you know, 
for a long time, it felt like people just weren't focusing in on how amazing they are. And so really just bringing their attention to it is just kind of one of the goals that we have um, and how special and how unique they really are. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to share a personal story too, because I rescued my dog, Bert, when he was like six or seven. They didn't know his exact age, but that was considered a senior yeah. in the shelter. And so he he was in the shelter for over a year um, because he also had has epilepsy. He had other issues. Plus he's like 90 pounds and <laughs> was bouncing off the walls. Um, but I'm so happy that I adopted him and it, it feels like it feels like he's always been here and yeah. it's just was meant to be. And, and we have so many years together. So, right. um, yeah. yeah, I wish more people would consider adopting senior dogs. Me too. I mean, they really are. Cause I, I'm on like, you know, I've adopted like five senior dogs since, since then. Um, but for the majority of them, they really do seamlessly fit into your family because most of them have already had families, and they have some sort of semblance of kind of like what rules are. And they're at that point in their life where they really just want to have a best friend. They really just want to please. They're sleeping a lot of the days anyways. Um, and so, yeah, they're just a really special demographic that is definitely overlooked in shelters. I cannot believe Bert was in the shelter for a year. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, I'll give you like the quick, like the quick version. He, um, he was picked up off the side of the road and like this rural Amish farm area in Ohio and was in, um, like the pound there and they, he, his clock was ticking for his time right. there, if you know what I mean. And so this other shelter here in Pennsylvania took him in and he ended up living there for a whole year until I called and was like, what's the story with this dog? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he's, he's like, roughly the same age as my other dog, Lucy. So it just kind of felt like it was meant to be And people. When we walk around every day, people are like, are they related? So yeah. they're just meant to be. Yeah. I love, I love your duo. They're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you, could you share with us? I think that you have, um, three things that you think that every senior pet parent should know. I know it's hard to narrow it down to three, but yeah. what would you say the kind of not the top three, but just three things are. Yeah, no, there's so many that I want to talk to people about because they're, they're really senior dogs encounter so many issues. So the very first thing, and this is basically kind of already covered this story, but it's really just this idea of recognizing that senior dog, your senior dog is different than any other age group out there. And they're different in the fact that they are more prone to disease than ever before. Senior dogs have a higher instance of diabetes, Cushing's disease, seizures, all of the diseases you can think about. This demographic is the demographic that attracts these diseases the most. And so a lot of people, you know, a lot of pet parents, when I work with them, we, we kind of, we kind of want to be a little bit in denial that our dogs are getting older. We're like, no, they're fine. <laughs> they run just like they used to, you know, I don't see anything going different with them. They're still happy and healthy on the outside, but there's a lot of things happening on the inside. So I think really the first thing to be aware of as a senior dog pet parent is just that even if your dog, your, your, old, your aging dog looks normal on the outside, there's a lot of things that could be changing on the inside. And, and we've got to start paying attention to that. So that's the, the first thing is just recognizing that older dogs are different. And you're going to have to be, if you're doing things the way that you always have been, you're probably doing things wrong. Right. So, so as I get older, so it's um, important to do the blood panel at the vet, 
even though it's expensive, you have to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's important. I really, I really do because you want to start establishing things like baselines on them. Um, if you don't have them already, so you can start watching trends on them because they can look normal. That's like the biggest, that's one of like, you know, the catch 22s, they can totally look normal on the outside, happy, healthy, panting, eating, drinking, going for their walks and things can be changing on the inside. So just monitoring is just really important for them. Um, the next big thing, and this is something that I talk about nonstop uh, on social media and on, and on my platforms, but really is this idea of chronic pain in aging pets. So we don't talk about it enough, but the majority of older pets have some form of chronic pain that they're experiencing right now, even if they look normal on the outside. And a lot of that, you know, there's studies out there that show that like senior dogs, dogs in general, they actually have similar pain thresholds to humans. So people for a long time, they thought that you know, um, dogs don't hurt the same way that we do, or cats don't hurt the same way that they do, but they do. They just don't express it the same way. Right. Like I've seen, um, I talked about this previously, but I've seen a Labrador walk in with a broken leg. That's kind of hanging, you know, in the back and they're wagging their tail as they walk in that door. Does that mean that that broken leg doesn't hurt that dog? 100% no, but they can't stop being a lab and they're not going to be yelping nonstop as they come in the hospital to tell you that it hurts, but it does hurt them. As soon as you go to touch that dog's leg, he stops, he's looking back at you and and yelping, right? So it does hurt them. They just don't show it the same way. So this idea of just being this awareness of chronic pain is really important for us to be aware of as senior dog pet parents. And I tend to see it in three really specific places um, for older dogs. So certainly joints um, is a place. So arthritis is happening. A lot of these guys have neck and back pain. They can't tell you about um, uh, and certainly their joints, of course. Uh, the next place I see it is in their mouth, their dental disease. So rotten teeth hurt these dogs and they'll still eat with rotten teeth. And what they're doing usually when that happens is they're chewing on the few teeth in their mouth that aren't diseased or painful. And so to an owner, it can just look like, you know, they're doing fine. They're eating and drinking, they're eating their hard food, whatever it is, but they can still have dental pain. And that really is a big deal. I've seen certain dogs come in. They've just got a mouth full of rotten teeth. I can't imagine what that feels like to have that in your head for that long um, and not be able to tell anyone, Hey, like this tooth starting to hurt now this tooth and it keeps getting worse, but you know, that pet will still get up. They'll still wag their tail in the morning. They'll still get, be happy to see their owner come home. So they really don't have a good way to tell us about that chronic pain that they're experiencing. Um, and then the last way is really just pain from illness, just general illness or cancer. And that's just, you know, overall like malaise basically and lethargy they might show, and they don't have a good way to tell you that they really don't, don't feel good. And I kind of think about that pain a lot. Like, like if you have the flu, for example, like I've had the flu, you feel terrible. You're lethargic You have this general, you know, feeling of feeling unwell and tired and exhausted. Um, and sometimes illnesses can feel like that. And so that is a type of pain that they can experience as well. And they don't have a good way to show us besides decrease in appetite, not getting up as much, um, lack of interest and, in, and, in, and, in, you know, getting up to, to do things that they love to do. So chronic pain awareness is definitely, um, a really big, the second uh, thing that I, I want people to pay attention to. Yeah. So what can pet parents do? Just pay attention to like every little thing basically. Yeah. Basically like, so, so they remember, they don't have a good way to communicate to you. They, they don't 
have a way to tell you that something hurts. And so staying up to date with your preventative exams is really important because maybe your vet will see a rotten tooth in the back of the mouth. Maybe they'll be able to say, Hey, you know, we haven't done a dental in two years on Bert or whatever. Let's check it out. Let's just do it now. He's doing well. Otherwise let's get him in. Let's, let's do this and make sure there's nothing there. Um, so staying up to date with your preventative, preventative exams. I also have a handout that you can download as a free handout PDF that I have that talks about the three most common places that you see, um, chronic pain in older pets and some of the signs that you might see associated with it. So being familiar with those signs is also really important, um, and starting to pay attention to them. So, yeah. Awesome. Of course I was, I'm the person who we just had a vet appointment and I, I, I asked, it was a vet I've never met before. And I asked her like six times, did you see their teeth? Did you look at their teeth? Did you see this too? <laughs> she was like, I looked at the teeth, like stop asking. <laughs> I, she probably appreciated it. So I actually love it when owners do that because it's just, it's just, you know, it's, I love to show you guys what it looks like and then talk to you guys about it and just get us on the same page. Be like, Hey, okay. They look good this year. Let's come back in six months. Let me see it one more time. That might be the time that we do our dental or whatever it is. But I love it when you guys do that. If you're like, how are the joints? How is this? I love all that stuff. So it's helpful for us, I think. Okay. Good. Well, it's a, it's a find a good vet who likes that, I guess. Yeah. 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 That can certainly be helpful. Um, so. did, did we cover all three? Was that? No. So the, the third okay. one, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There's, there's more. No, that's okay. There's so many important ones, but um, the third one that I recommend for pet parents is making sure that once your pet hits that senior age to start going to the vet every six months, right? And um, that is for just wellness exams. That doesn't include sick visits. It's just for wellness exams, but start getting in there every six months because things can start accelerating as they get older as to when things start changing for them. So you want to be seeing your vet more frequently and getting that full physical exam on them more frequently as I get older. I usually tell people age seven and up is just a good kind of cutoff point for them. If you've got a giant breed dog, that's going to start younger. Like I'll, I'll st- I want to start seeing those guys age five um, and up twice a year, but that's just a really good, a good cutoff. But just being aware of that, that at that, once your dog hits that senior status, it is time to start bringing them to the vet twice a year. And it's important, even if they look good at home, because we can find lots of things on them um, that maybe, maybe didn't notice. So Are you searching for a way to earn extra income in your pet business and expand your reach with really cool branded products? I bet you'd love to have an online store, but do you have the space to store inventory or extra time to ship products out to your customers? Me neither. That's why I'm obsessed with on-demand products. Print-on-demand technology gives you a way to boost your income and brand awareness with a zero inventory online store full of high quality products. In my new masterclass, launch an on-demand online store for pet lovers. You'll save a ton of time by learning how I set up my own on-demand products like shirts, mugs, tote bags, and more. I'll let you in on the mistakes I made so you don't make them. And I'll explain the strategies I use to sell hundreds of on-demand products in the Wear, Wag, Repeat shop. Want to check it out and get a jump start creating on-demand products that your customers will be begging to buy? Head over to wearwagrepeat.com slash courses and click on the on-demand online store masterclass. Enrollment is open now at wearwagrepeat.com slash courses. 
So it, all of this passion for senior dogs, uh, you know, you have your podcast and you share amazing content on social media. You've decided to create an online course, which is yeah. super exciting. Um, and so that is the senior dog thrive course, and it's designed for pet parents of senior dogs. Um, and so I, I'm excited to hear about this because I've been in the online course world for like, I don't know, four or five years taking courses, making courses, right. And the, mine are all geared towards like marketing stuff for yeah. business owners. So I'm always interested to learn about online courses that are for pet parents. So yeah. can you just tell us a little bit like about this course and, um, kind of what the objective is of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like pet parents and you know, this better than anyone, but pet parents these days, they want to be informed they want to know all of the things for their dog. And that's kind of how I was when I was wearing my pet parent hat, when I was in vet school, um, with my aging dog. And it was really disappointing to go out there and to not find any good resources for aging dogs for senior dogs, not really know what to do with them. I kind of just felt like I was just kind of showing up at the vet with like no guidance or no care plan for them at all. And so Dr. Littman and I, um, Dr. Lisa Littman, I think you've had her on here. She's fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love her. So we teamed up together and we were like, how can we help, you know, pet parents out there? Because I can help all the pet parents that I see at my clinic that come to see me. I, you know, have them on a program, on a plan with them there, but I I wanted, we wanted to figure out a way to really just be able to give that to more pet parents that are out there, like a, a, a like a care plan. Basically, what are the things that I'm talking to my pet parents about in exam rooms? What are the things that I think are important? What are things that work for your senior pets to keep them healthier and around for longer? What are all of the secrets that we, we know about that we want to share with other people? And that's what we put in this course. So it really is a way that you can really have a comprehensive care plan for your dog. And we talk about all the things that pet parents should know um, in there regarding aging dogs, basically. And it doesn't matter if you've got a dog that's just turned age seven, or if you've got a geriatric that's age 16 or not, there is something in this course for you. Um, we also touch on end of life care because that's a, that's a topic that people really want to know about. And um, people, uh, you know, it's probably, I think one of the greatest fears of being a pet parent is that you won't know when to make that decision for them or how to treat their, their end of life. And you won't do a good job with that. And so we talk about that in that course, because that's really is an important thing for pet parents, especially senior dog pet parents to be aware of and to think about now too. So that's a, one of the sections that we have in there, but that was really our goal was just, you know, like there's, there's no good place for pet parents to learn about senior dogs. I've got the information. Let me share it with you guys. Yeah. So I love it. Um, and I, and I think the end of life stuff is so important too. People are really curious. I, I mean, I'd be interested to go and see like the Google data for like, who's searching, like, how do I know, you know, when, yeah. um, I, I'm sure people are searching all the time. Um, so I think that's really important information. And I also love that the online course, like people can probably revisit it, you know, as their other dogs are aging and be like, what uh, she, Dr. Tarantino said something about yeah. this, but it was like so long ago. I don't remember. And so they can kind of use it as their dog's age and, and refresh it. Yeah. It's totally self-paced. You can, you can go in there anytime we update it because one of the things that you have to recognize just in this world is that things change, right? Something that I believed was true five years ago is totally not true anymore today. So we update it as well. We've got things like supplement guides in there, senior dog diet guides, like diets that we like. Um, we ask you guys to talk to your vets about all of that stuff. Cause that's really important. We don't want to just be 
giving our dog every supplement just willy nilly. We want to be using it with a purpose and use ones that have evidence behind it um, and quality control. But we've got all of those things in this course for you guys. Like all the questions that you guys are always asking us, it's in this course. It's there for for them and it's self-paced. And then we also have a private Facebook group um, where we are doing once a month uh Q and A's for people that are that that are in the course. Yeah. So so people yeah. can basically get like veterinary advice, but kind of in a, in a broad way. Cause what's like the, like, what's the like legality of how like, can you give it medical advice to people online? Yeah. You, so, so there, you can't without having like a, a client patient relationship that you're really limited with what you can say. So you might be able to generalize something, but that's really, that's really it. Truly what they need to be doing is going to their own vet, but yeah. So you can give some, some advice, but it really has to be generalized for, for, pet parents. And yeah. Specific. But I mean, this is a, I mean, this is great though, because it kind of, I would imagine for a lot of people with questions, this wipes out a whole bunch of things like not to do or not to worry about yeah. or whatever. So you can, when you go to the vet appointment, you can be focused. Yeah. You really can. And you can ask them the questions there and be like, Hey, do you like this supplement or, or not? Or what do you recommend? So you'll have an idea. Um, but yeah, we cover all the things that we generally speak to our senior dog pet parents about, um, from everything from how to approach their care to literally like a printed out veterinary plan that you can fill out with your vet visits and all the things in there. Like it is very comprehensive and the pet parents that are in there right now love it. So yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's like your whole online course for pet parents, but you also <laughs> do create a lot of resources and help um, vet students or vet graduates, I guess, who are starting their own practice or figuring out how to work in another practice. Um, and in fact, you co-authored a book about that, um, to help vets. Um, and you're also the co-founder of veterinarians on the rise, which is kind of the umbrella that book is under. Um, so just briefly tell us a little bit about that. And, um, and, and what are, what are some of the struggles that, new vets are facing when they're going out to work with real people and real dogs? Yeah. Well, there's, so our industry, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've heard about this a little bit, but like the veterinary industry in general, it's hurting tremendously, right? We've got, um, we're usually the, one of the top three professions for suicide in the country year after year. And a lot of it is because, um, you know, there's a lot, we, we work long hours. There's a lot of demands on us. Um, there there's a lot of different reasons that go into it. So our profession, you definitely, it definitely requires just being really strong, <laughs> strong-minded and taking care of yourself really well to be able to succeed in it, especially if you want to be in it for the, lo- the long run. Um, and so what happened was my, my friend from vet school, Dr. Ashley Gray and myself, we were both new veterinarians at the same time. And we went through this whole process, um, during our first few years out where we struggled. So you struggle with new cases, you struggle with learning how to work with different people. You struggle with the long hours that you're asked to work. You struggle with a lot of different things. And we felt like we had no help and that this conversation wasn't really being held and uh, held amongst the veterinary community, essentially. So no one was talking about it. We were like, 
So what's it feel like for you, your first year out? And you know, and it's like, it's terrible. Like, this is really hard. (laughs) We were all talking to each other and basically no one was really talking about it. So Dr. Gray and myself, we decided to really just open that conversation up and start talking to new vets about the struggles that they're having and how it, how difficult it is to really transition from vet school into practice and how to do it well. So we also worked at an internship hospital together. Um, and we were training the new brand new baby vets. We called them. We were training the new vets and the interns, uh, during their first year out. And we would see new vets struggling with the exact same things year after year. And so that really inspired us to try to help create change for new veterans coming out in the field. So we wrote a book about 20 really common cases that you see as in, in vet med during your first year out and how to really navigate them well. Um, so that you can, help guide pet parents, help guide pets to success if, if possible. So, so with all this, like the stress that comes with being a vet and also not to mention juggling all the other things that you do, yeah. uh, do you have any advice for, for anyone who's working with pets, um, about how to deal with the stress? Because, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of us love to work with pets, but you still have to deal with people. And that usually, is where the stress part comes in. So, um, do you have any advice for kind of how to manage that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a a lot of it is kind of the same advice that I would give anyone in, in any other profession. Um, but I think one of the really important things is really understanding self leadership and self care. So, um, they don't teach you, you know, I wish that they taught us this, like in grade school and, and high school and all the things, you know, like how we all wish they taught us finance, like really how to manage finances when we were growing up. Yeah. I also wish I also, Great. we know about yeah. <laughs> random math equations, but I don't know how yeah. to pay my taxes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like all those things. Um, but I really wish that they started teaching us at a younger age about self-leadership, um, which is really critical for veterinarians to have. And a lot of that really comes down to having self-awareness of like what you're like when you interact with your staff or with clients. Um, and it also comes down to emotional regulation, which is something that really as a veterinarian is a skill that I don't think I had when I graduated, but you really have to develop because you're literally in these very emotional situations all the time. You have emotional owners, you have emotional staff that are overworked as well that you're dealing with. And you really have to figure out a way to kind of hold those emotions. Um, and then, but then also process them and recognize your own emotions that you're not, you know, going crazy. So I think self-leadership is really important as well as self-care for, for them. Um, and then of course, you know, asking for what you want and what you need. Like one of the things that happened when I first graduated, I worked at a 24 hour hospital that just had us scheduled for a lot, like really long hours. So we were scheduled for 42 hour work weeks. Um, they were always short staffed. I was there for 50 to 60 hours a week. And that's it. amidst like a really stressful job. That is a lot of time there, um, to, to be there. And I was always scared about asking for less hours, you know, scared to ask for, Hey, can you just schedule me for 36 hours a week? Since you guys don't have the staff to help me do the blood draws and all this stuff. I have to do all this stuff too. I'm here late. I can't get my notes done. I can't make phone calls to my clients on time, you know, asking for what you need and recognizing it and just being okay with that. Um, I think that that's really important as you, you know, when you enter into the field and I used to feel a little bit of shame around that, you know, like I'd watch like my other colleagues go out and they were working the 42 hour work week shifts looking like it was no problem for them, but they were having all the same internal struggles that I was. And so I used to kind of have this shame, like, Oh, well, if they can do it, then I should be able to do it. But that's not necessarily true. We all work at different paces and, uh, we all have different needs and it's okay to actually recognize that and ask for that. So, um, you know, now, now at my current job, which I, I love the clinic that I'm at in Fort mill, um, 
South Carolina, but you know, I asked for 36 hour work weeks. That's what I want for full time. And, and they are happy to give that to me because they know that they get way more than that from me. Right. And I can show up, you know, energized, excited to see my, my patients, excited to see my, the pet parents that I know and love and show up my best. And that's what we all want. So, um, so I think asking for what you want is really important as well. And, you know, veterinarians in general, like the majority of us, I don't know how you feel about this, but the majority of us are people pleasers. Like we just want to make people happy. That's literally what we want to do. And so it's, it can be, it can be challenging in environments where you want to make your management happy. You want to make your clients happy. You want to make help the pets. Um, and so there's a lot of different, uh, forces that are kind of pushing against you. And so it can really, really take its toll over time. If you're not practicing self-care, practicing self-leadership and what that looks like. And then, um, of course, asking for what you need. Yeah. Setting, setting boundaries, like kind of in general. And, um, and I think what I am also hearing you say is just like realizing that your struggle is not your struggle. Like everyone is struggling. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Everything. Absolutely. So yeah. Alone. Yeah. You're not alone, even if it looks like that. And we, we, you know, in order to even get into veterinary school, you have to get, be, have amazing grades. You know, you have to test really well. You have to interview. It's highly, highly competitive to get there. And so a lot of vets have been working in this highly competitive manner for a long time. And so they put a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect all the time. And the truth is that it doesn't matter how great of a doctor you are, you're not perfect. Right. And that's, yeah, that's a, that's a struggle. I think that's something well, that a lot of, yeah. And if you're not, if you're not rested, um, and if you're really stressed out, then you can't really be perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you exactly. You can't show up like you're at your best and that's really important yeah. for us. So, um, yeah, but that's oh. kind of what we were, we were aiming for with the vets and the rise and, and Dr. Gray and I, we love, we love working on that mission, uh, on the side as well too. Yeah. It's definitely sounds like important work. So you're, you're just, you're kind of hitting all the check boxes of helping pet parents, helping the vets do it all. So, um, tell everyone listening, where, where can they find you? Where can they learn more about all these things? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at senior dog doc. Um, and then you can also find me online at seniordogrevolution.com. And then of course I have the podcast, senior dog revolution podcast. You guys can check us out there as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Yeah. I was happy to do it. Thanks for having me so much. Appreciate it. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or Join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.